Welcome back to another episode of Rocky Unscripted, when we talk about faith when Sunday is over. Let me ask you, Sean, why do you think that's important? (laughs) Why do I think that's important? Don't just repeat the question to buy yourself more time. (laughs) Why is it important to talk about faith when Sunday's over? Because it's all seven days, right? That's right. There you go. That's right. I love putting Sean on the spot in those Jeez. moments. You just made me nervous, man. I don't know if I can do the rest of this podcast. You're sweating. <sighs> uh, before we started recording, Matt, you were talking about Sean's beard. Yeah. Uh, for those that haven't seen Sean's beard, can yeah. you describe it? Yeah. It's very nice. <laughs> it, it's white. It's very white. Very surprising but to people. he's got like dark around, you know, mustache coming down. Yeah, so kind of the almost, goatee. It's like a white leopard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. If you can picture uh, that. Man. He's dangerous. That, yeah. Is now, that, here's the thing. Is that this, positive or is that that's very yeah, positive? Okay. That's about the pos- most positive yeah. thing I could say. It's yeah. positive. <laughs> so, yeah. Did you say that's the only positive no, thing? No, I said it's the most positive <laughs> thing I could say. Yeah. So what's funny is I've... So a lot of people are commenting on it, right? Because you, yeah. you haven't had a beard... On, ever, on, uh, ever. okay. Time. Yeah. And what's funny is people be like, "Don't take this the wrong way." They'll be like, "It makes him look older, right?" Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, maybe there's some wisdom that looks like you have because you have the the gray beard. But it looks good on you, man. I don't think it Thanks, makes man. you. Yes, he's he's now like a silver fox. Yeah, I, do you tell that. To, so, I I saw a couple days ago. I saw this. I was walked up to this group, and they were talking. And there was this middle school girl that I've coached in basketball. Uh-huh. Know her, and she turned around, saw me for the first time, and she looked at me. She goes, "Oh, yuck!" <laughs> and I was like, "What?" And she says, "She says that's terrible." Oh my! Gosh, Get rid of that! No and then she no said, way, no way, dude. Yeah, she doesn't know what she's talking about. The joke out the Frederick campus now is that people look at Sean and say. Because, you know, Sean's dad, Tom, he's on our staff out yeah. there, Fred. Dude, don't even say it. We say, say it. Oh, that's, is that Tom's younger brother? Ooh, that's what we say. And Tom say loves it, it. Yeah, he loves it. He loves it. Well, guys, we are in the middle of a, a series called Grit. Did you know that? Go One More. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The, the subtitle is Go One More. Why is it Go One More? That's a very gritty thing to say. Yeah. You know, I can go one Because you want to quit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because whatever you're doing is hard. One go more mile, more. one more rep. Yep. One more conversation, one more day. That's right. Yeah. I, I want to start the conversation today with something that we've said a few times over the last couple of weeks is nothing changes if nothing changes. And I think it's easy to, you hear that and it's like, oh man, it sounds good. It's, you know, uh, you know, short and to the point. And it's one of those things where you can be like, I get it. And then you, you miss it. You miss why it's such an important statement. Why are we saying that right now? What does that actually mean? Nothing changes, nothing changes. You keep doing what you're doing. You're going to keep getting what you're getting. Yeah. And so if you want to make progress, you got to make change somewhere yeah. or it stays the same. And I think so. that that has even more meaning when you make it personal because it's like, oh, of course, that's obvious. You know, you get the same results. If you, if you expect something to be different, um, people say, like, was it Albert Einstein says, like, that's the definition of crazy or something like that, right? Um, insanity. Yeah. Insanity. So, yeah, Albert Einstein wouldn't say crazy. He has more <laughs> vocabulary than that. Uh, but we just started the, the grit challenge, right? And uh, I think when people start filling out that that form mm-hmm. and whatever category it is, whether it's physical, we should probably unpack that in a second, what, what we mean by that. We'll, we'll do that in just a second. I'll give context what we're talking about. But when it becomes something personal to me, here's a goal that I have, then that phrase, nothing changes if nothing changes, has a little bit more, you have more skin in the game. Yeah. And you realize, okay, I need to change this in order to, to reach the goal that I want. In fact, I'm willing to do a hard thing in order to reach that goal. Okay, yeah, so that's the key, right? Because I mean, nothing changes, nothing changes. is The reason why we don't make the change is because of what the change requires. I mean, there's a whole market of level of marketing that is putting products in front of us that says, do you want this to change? And you're like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, if you just do this, and then whatever it is. No. Like the pain, they're, they're trying to take away what's required for right. change. It doesn't work, right? right? Take this pill, use this, shake away. It's not going to work, right? <laughs> but... But that's the marketing scheme. That's what gets us. Like, yeah. do you want to lose weight? Yeah, just take this pill. That's I could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a lot easier than going to the gym or running or whatever and watching at, my diet. At the end of the day, if you're wanting to lose weight, it's inc- for for ninety nine point nine percent people, it's incredibly simple, right? You consume less calories and you start burning more calories. That's right. That is the secret. Yeah. But we've been trying to to make it simpler. 
microwave in, it yeah. in a million different yep. ways. And for me, I'm always a sucker for the, like that new app. That's like if you do this, it teaches you how to fast. Right. You know, intermittent fasting. If you do this, it teaches you how to make wiser choices with food. But at the end of the day, if I still grab that fourth slice of pizza, the yeah. app didn't do anything for yeah. me. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. It's, it's a good line because it leads you to the most important questions for change, mm-hmm. right? If you're just not willing to change up a rhythm or habit, this is why we're doing the 52-day challenge, just because it's uh, 52 days of some kind of change, right? And just yeah. to see what, what comes of it. I think usually we're just not willing to put in what is the changes that's required. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, it, it reminds me though, <clears throat> you know, the Andy Stanley quote where he says, you know, it's not about, it's about your direction, not your destination. I think all of us could point in goals we want to achieve in life, but at the end of the day, are we willing to make changes to get yeah. there? Are you going to go in that direction? And it's going, yeah, I want to do this, but at the end of the day, we're not, we're not going to do it. Yeah. And I think that's what's, What's cool about this, so I won't unpack this. This is what I meant to say earlier. So we started this challenge where we said, hey, anyone and everyone that wants to participate in this, let's go. And that is for 52 days, we are all committing to, or everyone that wants to be involved, to three different areas that we want to see change happen. And there's commitments that we're making. Can you give a little bit more detail? You guys both talked about that the last couple weeks. But what are the, why is it 52 so 50, 52 days, mm-hmm. book of Nehemiah, they rebuilt the wall in 52 days. So we yeah. just said, hey, let's just do it and keep with that. And, uh, and you know, 52 days, it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some grit. But I think when you do something that's 90 days or 75 days, it's that's a little long. Yeah. And so something we could all try to accomplish, all lean in for, but maybe create a habit, habit over that time. Yes. It's long enough. So we just stuck with the book of Nehemiah and what it said. And then... Uh, we chose three areas, so it's physical, spiritual, and personal development, and just said choose one thing that you'll do every single day in all three of those areas. And so, Matt, have you had any soda, man? No. Dude, way to go. Yeah, it's been, I almost screwed up uh, a couple of days ago. You almost forget? I almost, yeah, yeah. I did forget because <laughs> I'm also, I'm on an eating plan, so I was doing my cheat meal. And so, as I was going to get my oh. cheat meal, I was about to order a Diet Coke, and I caught myself... And I, but I almost drank yeah. it because in my mind, it's like, oh, it's a cheat meal. Right. And I was like, what am I doing? And so, but I almost, yeah. And what's cool about that is that's not, that's a physical thing you chose. Not going to have any soda, 52 days. Yep. But that's not like something impossible to do. Like, right. But you were like, hey, Whoa, that's something easy. It's pretty tough. No, it's, okay. <laughs> it don't, it's tougher yeah. than you think. You yeah. Know? yeah. You know, what's funny is I've talked to a lot of people and it's similar to, to, to my goals too, is it's like, okay, here's something that I'm, that I'm going to measure and it's going to be every single day, but there's like three or four other goals kind of attached to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But this is the one that I'm, I'm committing to. Right. So you're also doing, uh, you're dieting right now. Yeah. 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 It's not one of the three. It goes in with the physical piece, but yeah, I'm just, um, I'm eating, I'm eating healthy six, six and a half days a week. Mm-hmm. And then, so the, the soda deals have been a part of that where I could actually eat healthy and still drink soda. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I have an unhealthy connection with Diet Coke is what I've got. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, with the sip and save, I've talked about this at Circle K. I get a 64-ounce fountain drink every day. That's yeah. where I knew I had a problem. When I start. I could tell, like, I would be in a better mood if I had a Diet Coke right now. Mm. And that's why I was like, you know what? I'm just going to give up soda. And it's it's been that tough one, the first couple of days. you've been in a bad mood for, like, the last four days? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say last four weeks. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, it's that. And then my you know, spiritual one is every day, 52 days, I'm doing my personal devotion at 630 in the morning. Mm-hmm. So just first things first, knocking that out. Um, and then I'm, I'm listening to a leadership podcast every day, which has been a pretty good rhythm for me because I listen to podcasts when I work out. Mm-hmm. But every day is, is unique for that. So, yeah, just repping all that out. You know, we, we've already talked about it that, hey, this is going to get challenging as we go. For You know, mm-hmm. day one, super easy. Day two, it's, it's funny, even day two, there's some of those moments of like, oh, yeah, I, I committed to this. For me, so it's funny, um, I've wanted to lose some weight, and but also the older I get, I'm like, I don't really care to, you know, I don't want to, it's not as important to be like the ripped dude, right? It's what, like. What do you mean? I don't understand. Anyway, um, <laughs> so 
over Christmas, actually, I got like a stomach bug and didn't eat a whole lot of food, so I lost weight. You know, and, if, and it's awesome whenever you're like, man, it's kind of fun yeah. getting sick. But I haven't put the weight back on. I've just like, it's, it's stayed yeah. off until today. Oh. And one of the goals I've had is I'm drinking a gallon of water every day. And I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to like talk to myself like, okay, there's, there's a lot of, it's a whole more gallon of water <laughs> Yeah. That, that that I'm consuming. Oh, Surely that's what it is. Because you're gaining weight now. Surely that's why I'm gaining weight. Right. It has nothing to do with the, the food I, I have. But you, mm-hmm. like, you're talking to yourself, and, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to st- stick with it, even though I have to go to the bathroom 35 times every single day. Yeah. I'm going to have the grit and to I keep think, going. And I think some of it is, you know, this idea of grit. Yes, it, it will produce some results, and I hope it produces results. But there's also just the idea of the fact you did it. You know what I mean? Like, even if you drink water a gallon a day for 52 days, which you will, even if it doesn't produce what you think it would, just the fact that you are willing to rep that out, you just, you're building your mental toughness. You're going, okay, if I can do that, you can build on that. Right. And it it creates some momentum. And, and I think that's, that's a huge part of grit. Yes, we want the results, but a lot of times that very thing, right? It's why Mm -hmm. so many people at the beginning of the year said, I'm going to go to the gym and they worked out for three days, saw no results, and they quit. Yeah. Right? And some of yeah. grit is just going, nah, I'm just going to keep showing up. Over a long period of time, it'll build up. Mm-hmm. But in order to do that, you just got to know, hey, I'm in it for the long game here. Yeah. And the immediate results just won't, won't happen. But you're going to be healthier. If you drink a gallon of water yes. a day for 52 days, you're going to be healthier. You know what's weird? So I'm drinking all this water. I'm, I'm still getting thirsty. Mm. Right, so I think my body's telling me something. It's like, hey, you want to need this coke? a whole oh, lot right, more right, right, right. than what you realized. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, for sure. So if you're listening to this and already in, in the grit challenge, you're like, I don't know if it's maybe I chose the wrong thing. Stick with it. Yeah, rep it out. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Okay. There's there's two main things I'd love for us to to chat about today, and you guys just feel free to 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 throw whatever else you feel like is on your heart. But I went last last time when we were we were sitting down with uh, Amanda and and Sean. We were talking about kind of the dangers that can come with self-help mm. and being in that mindset of just better yourself. And and there are times when we've looked at this series and we're like, do a gut check. It's like, hey, we don't want to just, just try to will ourselves to be better people. And I think we did a good job unpacking that. But I, there's there's evidence in Scripture when even even a, you know, a, a superhero in the faith like Paul exhibits both sides of this where – you rely on God's grace, and then there's times when, when you have to, to grit it out and just work hard, do the right thing. You know, Paul talks about being a tent maker, and he's like, look, I was, I was still doing my job. I was trying to support myself, and there's that balance act. And uh, I just want to dig into that for a little bit, and there's some scriptures I'd love for us to take a look at, but any initial thoughts on that, that balance between grit and grace? Oh, I've got some thoughts. They're not going to be popular. Really? No. All are right. these hot takes or are these just going to make me mad? Man, I don't know. Okay. I think, yeah, I'm with you. There's, you know, there, there's two sides to the conversation. I think I kind of alluded to this a couple weeks ago. I'm talking about this on this weekend about how, you know, when Nehemiah faces some opposition, he prays, but then he does something. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I think there's moments when we can't hmm. do anything and we pray, right? Hmm. We, I can't heal cancer. Yeah. I mean, there's just certain, and there's just things I can't do. So we pray and we trust God. Then there's things I can do. And I think too often we choose the, Hey, pray and put it in God's camp. And then there's things we could do. And we don't, I said yeah. something a couple weeks ago, it wasn't in the notes, but it just kind of, I said it, but it's just idea like, and we talk about the physical a lot because I think we can all relate to the physical thing. And you get to choose how you use your body today and if you're going to work out or what you're going to eat and all that. But what we can't do is just eat unhealthy and not work out for 40 years. Yeah. And then, and then pray. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. at that point, it's like, no, you didn't do what you're supposed to do. And these are the results. Mm-hmm. We cannot manage our money well and then mm. get 60 years down the road and go, God, why? Yeah. You know what? So I think there's a level of like, no, we trust God and we pray. And then I think you should still do what you can do. Yeah. And I just wonder if too many times we don't do what we should do and we keep it in this camp of, well, God, you know, I guess you just didn't come through. You know, it, 
It's that deal that you're growing up, right? You didn't study for your test, and you show up, and you pray the prayer to God. God, help me with this test. If you help me with this test. It's like, no, dude, you, right. you didn't study, and so you're not going to get a good grade on this test. Hey, I've got a good illustration tell from me, my see, life. Tell me. Okay, two days ago, so I got a, a new car, a new car to me. And uh, they filled it up with gas when I when I got it. I haven't put gas in this car I'm yet. I'm nervous about this story already, <laughs> okay. dude. And uh, so I never put gas in it. And I was driving my kid to practice the other day. And my thought was, okay, I'm getting low on gas. I'm going to stop oh, at, yeah. at Circle K, get the best prices. I'm going to fill it up. And uh, when I'm driving by, I'm, tr- I'm turning in. I realize, oh, my wallet. So I'm like, oh, man, well, I can't get gas right now. So I'm like, all right, I'll get it on the, before we go to school, tomorrow on the way to school. Drive home. And it's getting low. Like, it's getting real low. Yeah. It's flashing all the warnings. And uh, so we, we try to leave early to take the kids to school. We don't leave as early as we want to. And you know where I live. The, the only gas station, I have to it's go far. away from school. And I, and I know when I'm coming back, I have to fight traffic. Yeah. Right? That's, yeah, that's the thing for you. So I go to the gas station. I don't know how to make the, the gas fuel door open. <laughs> I'm looking everywhere. I know time is ticking away. I know on my, it's saying I've got like five miles before I run out of gas. School's 12 miles away, okay? I'm pushing it. I can't get this stupid door to open. I'm praying. I'm like, God, please give me wisdom. Help me understand. (laughs) I'm trying to YouTube. I'm trying to Google. My kids in the car like, Dad, we're going to be late. All this stuff. Um, It was stressful. Long story short, I had to say, guys, I'm just going to try to take you to school. And if we... You run out of gas, fi- you run didn't out of gas. Figure it I out. couldn't figure it out. So we had to fight traffic. I finally make it and, and figure it out. And I and I figured out how to open it. That I got the gas. But it was stressful. I was praying to God, God, get us to school. Help me figure out how to get this thing to open. Because I literally I was gonna break it. I was just gonna force it open, knowing that I was gonna have to pay to get this thing fixed. What was another solution to my problem? I could have gotten gas at any other time. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's like I don't have to wait until I'm on zero miles. Yeah. So in those situations, I think those happen in our life where it's like, God, please show up. Why? Why aren't you doing this? Or uh, I'm, I'm under all this pressure and anxiety. And there was those moments when it's like, man, if you'd just been wise, right. you could have avoided this whole thing. Yeah. Right. Dude, so, how fancy is your car? It's pretty fancy. Wow. No, you know why? You know why? How it opened? Um, I had to make sure that the doors were unlocked. And it would pop open. That's what it, it was a safety. It was to prevent people from not like getting in your oh, gas. Right, gas. When you're not. So it was just totally just me just being stupid. It wasn't some special button. It was just right. unlock your doors. Yeah, Literally hit the remote and the gas thing just popped right open. It's fancier my car. Yeah, my car. You car? just push it open. Up. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone can put anything they want in there. Mine is a spiritual car. You have to pray. I've never you had have to pray. Pro- I never had yeah. any problem with that too. People yeah. just don't put stuff in my. But Sean, what, what what was some of your thoughts as far as that that balance between grit and grace? Um, I think I think grit and grace go together. I think they they should be friends, like just work together. So you think about just even biblically salvation, or you just take grace. I mean, I forget who said it, but famous quote: um, "Grace isn't opposed to to effort. Grace is opposed to earning." And and so we're saved by grace and grace alone. So salvation comes from grace. But if you think about transformation or the Bible or the uh, you know religious word we would use sanctification, that comes by some grit, right, and and some working through and some effort, and so I think there's that side of it. It works together. Um, you know, we we receive God's grace, but God doesn't want us to stay where we are. He wants us to grow and be transformed, and that takes some effort on our part to to do. So, I I think there's a and then you look through you look through Scripture and you just don't see any stories of God doing good things and people growing and things happening without grit. Yeah. yeah. We even think just story of Jesus, you know, Easter, we get grace because of his grit. You know what I mean? Mm, that's I good. I mean, he went yeah. to the cross. I mean, that's, yeah. So it's like, hey, we got our grace through someone else's grit. And then you've got a bunch of New Testament. You mentioned Paul, yep. you know, where, I don't, I can't remember where exactly, but when he gives the whole list of all of you know, the stuff he's been through, oh, and, yeah. you know, it's like, hey, <laughs> it's, it's gritty. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a part mm-hmm. of it where he's going, this is not always easy. Yeah. It doesn't mean it isn't the right way to go. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. They are. I think it's not, to, it's not just in our faith. I think grace and grit go together in 
all areas. You think about leadership, you think about business, you think about even, even here and what we do. I mean, if we're a bunch of leaders that run around with all of our staff and we just have grit and we're just requiring of people all the time to just put in grit, put in grit, but you don't have the relational connection of grace, yeah. then I think you wear people out and you push people away. So I think leaders have a good balance of grit and grace and know when to employ both. Right. Um, and I, I think we're much better for it if we do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was listening to a podcast uh, over the last couple of days, and it was our mutual friend Tim Foot with the Slingshot Group. And just he, they just launched a new leadership podcast. That's awesome. He's interviewing Brad Lominick, and they were talking about you know that stereotype of like millennials don't work hard, and as, as we're le- leading millennials in the workforce, it's the upcoming workforce. How do we lead them? And he was like, uh, he asked Brad that question. He said, I-, "I haven't met many millennials that are not willing to work hard it, it, for a worthy cause." Ah, thanks, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> so he was talking about leaders now as they're leading the workforce of younger people. We just have to make sure we cast vision. And, and compelling reasons for them to work. And of course they'll work hard, but what they won't do, uh, obviously we're talking in generalities, what they won't do is I'm not going to just work hard because you're saying work hard. And, and maybe our, our generation or older generations, it was like my boss told me to, so I'm going to do it. So you look at it through that lens and, and it's not this like necessarily issue of an integrity or work ethic. It's just, we, 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 we want to, to have a drive that's maybe different from generations before us. Yeah. And uh, I, I took that as a really hopeful takeaway. And I, I see that at Rocky. I see that in a lot of organizations now. It's not just, hey, work hard and I'm going to pay you well. And then, you know, 50 years from now, you'll be able to retire and you're good. And it's like, no, I want purpose now. Yeah. Um, so you're talking about having that balance of grit and grace is, is huge. I think that's one of the elements. Um, so I'd like to know more of your thoughts, but I do want to share these scriptures, these passages, just to try to be helpful to people. And, and I mentioned that I would earlier. But in Philippians, a letter to uh, the church in Philippi, Paul says this. And it's kind of a long passage, but just bear with me. So this is chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. It says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on, he says it again, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So a lot of language there of like, he's, he's straining. He mentions pressing on twice. You, you hear this and it, it, it's a spiritual conversation, but there's a lot of effort that he's putting in. It, it seems obvious to me. Is that how you take that? Is that how you read that? Like he's working hard. Oh yeah. Um, but then in a, in a previous letter, in 1 Corinthians 15.10, he says this, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No. And he says this, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. There's this idea of I can be gritty through grace. You know, it's like Jesus makes that possible. Any thoughts about that? Yeah, maybe maybe there's a thought in just the f- fact that gr- uh, grace fuels, just fuels our grit. Like we're saved, um, but there's a side of us that we all know that we're saved from something um, because we we have failures, we have sins. Uh, but just the fact that, that God gives us his grace um, ought to result in something else. I think it did for Paul. Paul looked back at where he came from. You know, he came from a very law-based um you do this, we follow the law, that kind of thing. And yeah. he turned his life over to Christ. He was realized, used to grit. He was used to yeah, totally, working hard. Totally. But then Paul found something different in the grace of God, um, forgiving his sin. He called himself the chief of sinners, yeah. right? To turn that around then, to, it was almost like that fueled that grit to say, hey, I'm living this for a different reason. But I think there's a side of us, we all have failures. If we all just push through grit constantly, man, how are we going to see ourselves? But if there's a side of us that can see our lives through grace yeah. um, and even our failures through grace, it takes failure and turns it into a learning opportunity. Mm. Um, I saw, um, gosh, his famous, famous quote, who said it, I have to look it up, but uh, he was talking about the idea of I never fail um, 
or I, he says, I ne- it was Nelson Mandela. He says, I never lose. I either win or I learn. And I think there's a side that grace brings that in. That's of cool. Our failures don't have to be fatal. They can be learning points. Mm-hmm. And God doesn't see them as fatal. I think we look at them a lot and we're like, ah, oh, I'm a failure. Yeah. God says, no, you're, you're a person in progress. Mm-hmm. And keep gritting it through because I've already given you my grace. I wonder, to just add on to that, you know, you know Paul's story, he's, you know, comes from a background of following the law. You know, it's, it's you know, perfection. You got to get this right. And we talk about, you know, the idea of grace. We remember a couple months ago, we were talking about, you know, grace and works and this tension, this balance. I wonder if Paul too's, you know, alluding to the ideas like, hey, I've, I've received grace, but again, I'm, I'm still going to do something, right? I'm, I'm, you know, I, so he comes from the extreme, it's all law. And now he's going, ah, I've received grace. It, it's covered all that and my imperfections, but I'm still going to try to do what I can do. Mm-hmm. But, but why? Well, it's not because necessarily I, I have to, right? Because I've received grace. It's because of grace. I want to. I mean, I've been freed up. I want to do something. You know what I mean? And, and um, so I'm not earning it, but I'm, I'm leveraging it. Like, wow, what a gift. Mm-hmm. And we should get out. I think, you know, Paul, I'm going to get out there. Dude's traveling all over the place. He's doing everything. And I think if you asked him why, he wouldn't say, well, it was for my salvation, you know, it was because of my salvation. Yeah. Dude, I got yeah. something. I got to go do, and yeah, it's so hard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's very hard, but dude, how could I not? It, I think it's just this vibe, like, oh, it is a source of grit for him. And it, and it became his identity because he opens up so many of those letters to these churches like, here's Paul, sent by God, I'm one of his apostles, I have to. Right. Because there's a lot of people that, myself included, that'd be like, man, Lord, please help plant those churches all throughout Europe. They need it. They need you just like I need you. I wish someone would do that. Send someone, Lord. Paul was saying, like, I'm that guy. I'm, I'm sent by God. Yep. And that was how he, it was almost like the, the grittiness of him was part of his identity. It was his calling from Jesus. You, it, even if you, like, take that idea out of the spiritual and put it in the physical, right? All of us are, are fairly healthy guys. There's a lot of things we can do. But if something would happen today and be taken away, right, mm. you would realize, wow, I had, I had grace. I, I didn't. Maybe I, I could have ran marathons, and yet I didn't, right? But if all of a sudden you can't, it's yeah. taken away from you, you would have seen, wow, what a gift that was. Mm-hmm. And I didn't use it. Yeah. And so I, I, I just wonder in the, in the spiritual sense for Paul, it's like, dude, I got something. Mm-hmm. I'm going to grid this thing out and maximize it because I can. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes, you know, in other areas of our life, we can and we don't. And it, but what if we did? Mm-hmm. And if those things were taken away, all of a sudden, it would give you perspective in life, right? You'd be mm-hmm. like, wow, that was, that was an incredible gift. But you didn't view it like that. So and Paul also had the, <laughs> he also had the gift, we have to have the reality of, Nick, what you were saying, but he had the gift of like running into Jesus like face to face, face. Good gift. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that pushed the, pushed the grit level to, to another level for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's another reason for us that we just got to stay close. We just got to keep, um, we got to be gritty in our faith to stay close to God so that, that we're reminded yeah. um, of what he's calling us to do. Yeah. All right. I want to change gears. Uh, something that we've, we've talked about is every Tuesday, whoever is, is teaching the upcoming Sunday actually does a run through of their message, their sermon. And you guys teach, teach it to seven or eight people on our staff. And then you're opened up to feedback and that's like a whole thing in and of itself. So Matt, we heard what you're going to be talking about this Sunday, uh, yesterday, and it struck a chord with everyone in the room, <laughs> yeah. everyone in the room, because you were talking about, yeah, Things that are worth doing, we're gonna, they're going to be difficult in and of themselves. This is a hard thing I'm doing. And Nehemiah was rebuilding this wall. I mean, seemingly impossible task in and of itself. But then he started to face opposition from yeah. people, mm-hmm. criticism, um, physical uh, violence, you know, the threat of that. And you started, you were talking about just the criticism we receive in life. And every single one of us had multiple stories and opinions or experiences of, yeah, I've been criticized a lot. And it makes doing things that are worth doing that much harder. Yeah. Um, I, would, I want us to chat about that. And maybe we spend the rest of our time there today. But just maybe unpack that a little bit as far as where you're going in the messages Sunday. 
yeah, it's just, I'm, you know, nothing changes if nothing changes. Uh, there's a lot of changes that we would probably make if we knew there wasn't going to be opposition or critics <laughs> within it, right? Uh, failures bring critics. Um, when you're not getting the results that you think you should, there's going to be critics. So, And you said criti- critics find each other. Oh, yeah, the critics, <laughs> they hang out with critics. You know, it's yeah. never just one. Mm-hmm. It's you know, when you get when you do something, it's not just one email. There's five emails. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing. And so, <laughs> and you said leadership is a magnet for criticism. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, the most polarizing moment of leadership that I've been a part of was during COVID. Oh, we my. we sat in rooms, right? And you're going, hey, you got to make a decision. No matter what decision you make, about half the people are going to be critics. I'm starting to sweat. Yeah, you feel, Sean is like, he's like uh, (laughs) trying to get out of his chair right now. So you could, you're a leader, you make a decision, you got it wrong, you're going to get dinged. You're a leader and you make a decision and it was the right change, you're still going to get dinged Mm -hmm. because you're, you're changing things. It, it's just the natural, I think of leadership and the idea of leadership pain. There's some good books out there that, that I like, you know, that talk about, Hey, the level of your leadership will always kind of be to the level of, of your threshold of pain. It's painful. Right. And so it's it's really a book about, you know, how we handle and how do we receive criticism and what does it do to us? But, yeah, if you go try to go do anything in your life, you're going to get critics and you could even be successful. You're going to have critics. It's just the way it works. And and the idea of looking at Nehemiah's, you know, journey with rebuilding the wall. I mean, he he barely got the yes from the king. He already had critics and then he starts rebuilding. He has critics. Yeah. And and it's going, okay, what do we do with this information that's coming? Now, here, here's the thing that I think will be powerful on Sunday is, you know, criticism creates discouragement. And that's really the killer to grit. You get discouraged and you stop. Mm. You get discouraged. I said I was going to 52 and I went three days and I failed and I stopped. Grit would tell you to get back up, right? Grit would tell you to keep going. It's okay, keep going. Maybe that's the grace piece, you know. Yeah. Keep going. But it, it breeds discouragement. And uh, here, here's the thing about discouragement, which the more I think about this, the more it's true. The reason why I think it hits hard is because within most criticism, not all, some people are just crazy and the criticism makes no sense. And you can just delete that, right? It's so off. You're like, that doesn't even make sense. I'm moving on. But most of the time, there is a piece of truth in the criticism. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why the critic exists. They're looking at the thing and they're pointing to this one part of it and going, that doesn't add up. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. You've tried that before. You don't have credibility. I mean, they're, they're kind of poking at something and it's like, I had that thought too, right? Mm-hmm. And now I'm mm-hmm. thinking about throwing the whole thing like you away. you agree with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You now because agree Because it's with the partly true. And this is the, the thing with Nehemiah, which I think is great because when the critics show up, they're actually, I, they're right. <laughs> what, what they're saying is right. And yet there's a greater truth that Nehemiah will hang on to, which is going, yeah, but this is what God's called me to do. That's good. That's, that's better than, you're right. If you're looking at this whole thing, you're right. We're not the best wall builders. We're not going to get this done in the day. You know, there's some spots here that are going to need some reinforcement. Like, you're right. You're right. But it doesn't mean I shouldn't try. It doesn't mean I shouldn't do it because there's a greater truth I should really grasp onto. And I think that's the tough thing with criticism because if we know there's a part of that criticism that's true. Yeah. And to face that and go, you're right. Mm. But that's not actually a good enough reason not to go, not to try. So something that you said yesterday in your message, I actually want I, 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 I want to say something because in your notes you said something different. Because you said there's a character named, uh, not a character, is a, is a man named, uh, how do you say his name, San, San Balot? Yeah. Is that how you say it? Yeah. And he was criticizing... Something like that. Sand ballot, yeah. And he was criticizing Nehemiah. And you said there was these three criticisms. And you said, you know what? He wasn't wrong. And right now you're saying, you're right, you're right. I think there's something about saying they're not wrong. That it, it 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 puts me in the right perspective. Yeah. Because what I would tend to do is like, they are right. And I'm wrong for doing this, and I shouldn't be doing it. But whatever, it's like maybe we made the wrong decision. And I like the, that wording better mm. because it's saying you're not wrong. Because it also insinuates, but you're not right. Yeah, thanks for giving me some critique. <laughs> <laughs> it's the people that are the closest that hurt the most. No, you almost take the power away from it. Yeah, 
know what I mean? And you keep it in perspective, right? That's just one. I mean, he points out a couple of things, but the project's much bigger than that. Yeah. Um, but he's trying to go, and usually critics are really good at finding the soft spots. You know, they're they're hitting below the belt. They're they're getting the stuff that, you know, it's it is it is real, and that's why I think it is hard to to receive it sometimes mm-hmm. because it's there is a bit of truth. Man, I remember when I first came to Rocky. There were things that we were changing and and going after. And I remember as a young leader, I didn't know all the answers. Um, and so there were sometimes I made some decisions and got criticism and we were, we were right. There were sometimes I made decisions and got some criticism and we were wrong. Mm-hmm. And then there was some that it was in the middle, like you're saying, you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. And I, I think getting older a bit, I've, I've, I've started, I stopped asking the question, am I right or am I wrong? And maybe started trying to ask the question, am I headed the right direction? Wow. Like, are, because if we're, we're asking the question, are we headed the right direction? Then it kind of takes the critique, the criticism and saying, okay, well, we may not have all the answers to this, but we know we're going in the right direction. So we're going to set this off to the side. Um, we're going to listen. We're going to have grace for them, but we're going to move forward. Um, but there's also the times you're like, I don't know if we are headed the right direction. And then you got to stop and you got to stop. You got to ask yourself the question, then what do we do now? Uh-huh. And uh, maybe the critic is actually keeping us from something that would be harmful or hurtful. And uh, I wish I would have had a little bit more of that uh, in the beginning uh-huh. of are we headed the right direction? Yeah. Because I think that's helpful. Um, I would love to know from you guys, you just, you opened the door to this, Sean. But do you guys have other stories where you face criticism and uh, that criticism kind of threatened to, to, to change your decision about something. Mm. Oh man. It was like, I felt like when I first got here, it was a lot. It was, there was, there were tons of things and there were the things on the level of like when we changed things in the building, mm-hmm. you know, you have people who are attached to certain, yeah. whether it be programs or things, even visual things. Um, that were so important in their coming to Christ or their yeah. transformation. And so if, it might have been okay that we were actually changing and make a change in a program, making a change physically in an auditorium or a lobby or whatever it might be, but they were so attached to that thing that it was like, why would you do this? Because, man, this is what brought me to Christ. And this is, and you're like, okay, but maybe that was 20 years ago. Yeah. And maybe we, if nothing changes, nothing changes and we don't reach newer generations of people. Yeah. And so I remember, man, there were people that were just vehemently just after me. What kind of pastor are you? What kind of leader are you? And, uh, and I think we just had to keep asking the question. Yeah. Are we heading in the right direction? I think one of the blessings of COVID, it really gave us an exercise in that yeah. of, are we, are we making the wrong decision because the right one would bring critics? And we had so many critics we probably got to a place where like, we're just going to do the right thing. Yeah. Going back to your direction deal. Everybody's upset anyways. So <laughs> let's just do the right thing. And the right thing mm. is to be a church that's reaching people who don't know Jesus. And we'll, we'll get criticism. But we're getting criticism for everything right now. Yeah. And I think it, I mean, we made it through and there's a sense of like, I feel more gritty. I, I feel like as a church, we're like, you know, I was just having lunch with a church planter today, and I was asking him, um, ironically, do you got any critics in your church yet? You've only been around for mm-hmm. six months. Do you got them? He was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, tell me. And so he's telling me. And I, and I just, and he was, you know, asking us, you know, what we do here. And I said, you know, I just think we've gotten really comfortable with who we are at Rocky. And, and with our critics, they're coming in going, you should change this, you should add this, you take this way. And we're just really comfortable saying, this is who we are. Yeah, that, that, that. Thing you said is not us. Yeah, and this is not because this is who we want to be. This is who we feel like God has called us to be as a church. And that's a really good thing. That's just not where we are right now. And I love that about us. And I feel like it's freed us up. And I almost feel like it has quieted the critics a little bit because we're not feeding, you know, well, if you don't do this, I'm leaving. I've, you know, and I just feel like now we're like, okay. We just got through COVID. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and financially did good and and it's just like, hey, we should, going back to what Sean said, we should do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And this is the direction we're going. And we hope you come with us, and we hope we can give you a compelling vision, and we hope you'll be generous towards it. But if you don't, you know, we just, 
trust that this is the direction God wants us to go. Now, with that, though, I think we've, we have done some things to keep us from becoming calloused. Because yes. I think you can't, so we have values that, that we've nailed down, and we have values that even keep us on the side of making sure that we put people first, not just, here's the thing we do, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, here's yeah, it, yeah. and that. So we've, we've really tried to keep a balance, but we've set up guardrails that help us uh, to keep that. But I'm with you. I think you're right. Okay, we're coming up on time, but I have two important questions I want us to answer. Um, you ready? Yeah. Yeah. All right, what is the best way to receive criticism? I, I mean, first of all, I'd say ask for it. Hmm. I think when you're asking for it, then you're on a hook of how you receive it. So if you can get more reps going, hey, you got any feedback from me? The better off you are. Uh. And I think even you talk about the exercise on Tuesdays when we're preaching, you know, the message before Sunday. Yeah, there's a lot of guys who don't do that because, you know, we – if we're honest, you know, those messages, we, it, they can, there's a level of sensitivity towards it. And I even remember when we first started that, it was like, Ooh, that, that did sting a little bit. You know, I, <laughs> I thought you were just gonna say do a great yeah, job. Yeah. And now here we are, you know, we're way into it now. It's like, give it to me because what I've learned is your feedback is very helpful. Mm. Yes. And, and there's moments when I don't take everybody's feedback, but overall this thing is better because there's more, you know, eyes on it and, and ears on it. And so, you, you open this thing up and you go, at, at the end of the day, you know, my, yeah, I'm a pastor, but my identity is much larger than that in Christ. And if, there's been times I've preached that on Tuesday. I've gone home, Vanessa has been like, hey, how'd it go? I go, I think I got to rewrite the whole thing. <laughs> I, just, I, I, don't, I don't think that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty much what they said. It's not good. So, um, but I think the more reps you get in it, the better you are to receive it. That's good. And, and I think we just don't ask for it enough, but if I'm asking for it, then I'm on the hook for what you say to like on Tuesdays, I'm asking for it. Come on. Yeah. I mean, that's why we're here. And, 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 you know, you're on the hook for how you, you know, give, give it, but it doesn't have to be all fluffy and all that. We just say mm-hmm. it, come on. You know, hey, this that's, was good. This that, wasn't good. That's interesting because that makes me wonder on a, not just on like our teaching that we do and we ask for criticism, but maybe even in a whole, do you wonder if criticism t- doesn't come with as much heat if you create a culture that's open to it? Mm. Yeah. Like if people are willing to get, now there's be some people that'll be your critics all the time and they're all always going to be, but I wonder if you're an open place that says, hey, we want to be better. So share with us if people don't hold their criticism until they're to a point, yeah. boiling point, yeah. and then it's like, blah, it's all over you. Or you get those passive-aggressive comments because yeah. they don't know there's there's no other outlet, uh-huh. right? So I'm just going to kind of give this to you uh, yeah. in a little passive. Hey, I'm, you did much better this this week than last week. <laughs> Every Sunday. <laughs> this know? is the best message I've ever heard you <laughs> preach. Um, <laughs> Every so Sunday. That reminds yeah. me what you said, ask for it. Uh, when, when Ron first came on staff, uh-huh. uh, this is six years ago, five, six years ago, and he, th- th- so I'm the worship guy at, at, at Rocky, or one of them, and Ron's a former worship guy. He's got all this experience. He was coming from a big church with a lot of success, a lot of production, a lot of excellence. And uh, the first few weeks he's here, I found, my, I found myself just like, like feeling a little insecure. Like this guy, I bet you he would tell me 18 things I need to do better. And I talked to you about it. Sean and I was like, uh, man, I'm a little nervous that he's gonna like all of a sudden come to me with some critique. And you said you should ask for it. Mm. And I'm like, no, you don't. You're not listening. <laughs> I'm afraid he's gonna tell me these things. And you're like, you should ask for it. Mm. So then, you know, I did. I was like, hey, Ron, if you have any thoughts, I would love to hear it. And it opened up a great conversation. And Ron's a great guy. Mm-hmm. So what he didn't do was just like, oh yeah, you stink at this, this, and this. this. He said. Oh, man, this is what you're good at. This is this is great. This is what I saw as positive. I'm so impressed. Here's one little thing. And it created a much healthier mm. relationship, and it made me more open to it. So that's huge. Yeah, that's what, cool. What would you add, Sean? Like, what, what's the, what's the, the best way to receive criticism? Um, we've, uh, so we've said this quote so many times, but just the question asking helped me understand. Because a lot of times we receive criticism, it pricks something in us and we get a little defensive or we try to explain or probably the best thing we could do is receive that criticism. Mm. And if we're not right there with them and going, oh, yep, you're right. It's more like the next question is, hey, help me understand more Mm. about that. And I think that that question has helped me a ton in so many areas, leadership areas, but it's helped me like at home with my family, every one of my family members just mm-hmm. asked that question. Okay. Help me understand 
um, why you feel that way or help me understand what I'm doing. And it just creates a positive conversation. Yeah, that's really good. I think the only thing I'd add is when I receive criticism, I want to defend. I want to explain, well, this is why I do that. Yeah. You know, and uh, often the person doesn't care. You know, it's like you explain it. They usually aren't like, oh, well, then never mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I take that criticism back. It's more like, okay, I understand why you did it. Still, you still should probably consider what I said. I think the other thing in criticism, you, you need to ask a question, is this person for me or against me? Um, because I think people who really b- bring helpful criticism, they're always for you. There are some people that are just trying to hurt you with your stuff. Yeah. And and remember, um, you know, Alan Algram, great friend and, you know, former lead pastor here, is hit my favorite line of his, don't make personal what isn't personal. Mm. A lot of times when people bring criticism, there's something else going on in them. Yeah. Um, and so you listen to it, you're like, is this person for me? Okay, am I understanding this? And is this truly helpful or are they trying to hurt me? They're trying to hurt me. We set those things off aside and we need to get, with other critics that are constructive yeah. that are helping us. I think, uh, so, you know, you think about basketball refereeing. <laughs> Coaches are pretty big critics of referees and grandmas. And a few parents. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and I think, you know, we, we talk a lot about just, you know, in, with referees, just how to diffuse things, you know. And I just, you know, instead of being defensive, you know, when a coach is in your ego, coach, you might be right. I just didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. I well, remember. How do you, how do you, how do you, you know, he's just like, Okay. It's like, yeah, yep. moving on. You know, I just, you might be right. I saw a ref. So one of my daughters plays um, is competitive basketball. I, the only reason I say that is because it gets heated, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and I'm guilty. Oh, man, I've been guilty of it too many times where, you know, you start kind of making comments at the ref or whatever. But I saw this one ref. Um, it was a simple call. The ball went out of bounds. And he made a call, and one of the the girls on the the court, you know, put up her hands. It's like, "What are you talking about?" Blah, blah, blah. And he was like, "Hey, you might be right." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're not used. To- and the entire it was just like, Phew. yeah. The girl was like, "Oh," and uh, that she was easily more willing to accept the call when it's like, "Oh, I'm not fighting you." Yeah, you might be right. I had a really bad call this past weekend, and you made uh, a bad call. Yeah, yeah, it was real bad. It was like a ghost call. It, I thought what was about to happen didn't happen, but it was, I had anticipated it and called it. And the coach who I'm friends with, and so I walked over to him and I said, "Hey, if we had it's inst- not just a friend, it was Amanda's husband." Yeah, so it's, it, it's serious. And I just said to him, "Hey, if we had instant replay, I'd take that one back." Yeah, and we're moving on. Just and, own it. And he was like, "You bet you would." <laughs> he got yeah. in your face. Yeah, and he no, just said. Just Mm-hmm. Dude, in those in those <laughs> yeah. fifth and sixth grade boys like Division two games, you know, well, you, you're so you've been coaching refing for six hours in yeah, a yeah. day. You're like, and well, usually they never con- they can't control their bodies, and ninety nine percent of the time they don't. And that one time that kid yeah. got control of his body, and yeah. I thought he was going to ro- wipe someone out, and he ended up not doing it. So yeah. I, I know. Uh, so I've only refed one weekend so far. I need to have a better poker face because I know I. Anyone w- looking at me would know when I miss a call. You oh, know, like a yeah, kid does yeah. something and they're like, some, you know, of those, that some of those kids need to have a better poker face for a ref. There were three calls I made last week was because I saw it on the girl's face. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I saw it happen. Yep. I yeah. think, um, again, just one more thing what Sean was saying. Yeah, not every critic is created equal. Not every critic needs a response. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not every critic needs an hour of your time. Or Someti- an explanation. Yeah, sometimes it's, hey, thanks for the feedback and you're yeah. moving on. Yeah. Right. And you just, it takes, it just takes away the sting and we're moving on. Yeah. But we do have to have some people that we can ask and flip by somebody else's cruise. Am I, am I hearing this or am I getting callous? And I think it's, yeah, I think we've, we've learned that and we're constantly reminded of it. Yeah. 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 Okay. This is probably a more difficult question. And that is what is the best way to offer criticism? It gets quiet. Eat, uh, <laughs> a letter, a letter, and don't sign. That's the best way. Mm-hmm. Write a letter and then don't sign it, and then, and don't put a return address either. Hey, just so the <laughs> listener knows, Matt is being sarcastic right now. No, that happens. No, yeah. I know what happens. I'm just, we, you're just not saying that that is actually the best I, way. That's my favorite. Yeah, I think one of the things would be is you ask if you can. So, so I don't even know the right words off the top of my head, to, but if you ask somebody, hey. Can I give you a thought or can I give you some feedback on some? They're giving you an answer. What are the, yes or no? 
And yeah. usually when a person says yes, they put themselves in a posture to receive something a little more. Um, then if we just come at it and say, hey, wh- what were you doing? But if it's, hey, I just had a thought. I had a feeling on something. Can I share it with you? Mm-hmm. I wonder if you just People use the same them. phrase on the opposite side. Hey, could you help me understand real quick? Yeah, there you go. I, this is what I, I'm probably missing something or this or that. Or, hey, help me understand. Why would you use that word in the message mm-hmm. or whatever? It, again, it's like, yeah, yeah, I can... I'll give you a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, gotta be I, careful with that one. Yeah, I, hey, I, can you help me understand why you're so stupid? Well, I gonna, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I do think your posture and how you approach is a big deal. Absolutely, and I think within the first couple of seconds, you kind of know the person who's receiving it. Is this person for me or against me? Mm-hmm. Is this person trying to make me better or tear me down? And I think approach is everything. And I think the level of feedback yeah. is somewhat determined by the level of relationship. And if you don't know that person, then I don't think it's your role to give them 60 minutes worth. Yeah, that's Maybe good. 60 seconds, mm-hmm. but not not an hour, not 30 minutes. You, you don't know them. And I, I find that it's really helpful for me when there's deep or depth of relationship, I'm more able to receive maybe harder truths. Mm. That's and, good. Um, and so I think like that It may too. hurt more. You know what I mean? If, the, if you have a really deep relationship with someone, and they come to you and say, hey, here's a blind spot or here's some feedback. I imagine that could that could be crushing because yeah. that person is so important. Yeah. No, it but, can. But, but then, at the same time, it, it it's more valuable to you. Yeah, depth and longevity. Like, I'll own it. when I Even when I got here at Rocky, I, I'm not good at receiving critique. And Sean knows that. Even early years here, I'm, I get defensive. I'm at Enneagram A. I get angry. I go on the attack. You know, it's like, a, hey, you could do this better. Oh, yeah, you could do a lot of things better, too. You know, it's that vibe. Like, I, I agree with you. I yeah, was yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. But, but I think, you know. But we had to figure each other out. No, we did. But I, but to say now we're at a place where even Sean's approach, you know, it's it's like, hey, you know, I, I'm like, yeah, come on. We're, we're at a place now that I think, yeah, I, I get what you're saying too, Nick. It's like, yeah, those, those truths can come. But I think when when you, especially in the level of leadership, when you know I have blind spots. These are the conversations that make me better. They're, they're painful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a reminder you're not perfect, but they're needed and necessary. But when they're coming from somebody who you know wants the best for you or wants you to be better, it's a good hurt. You know, it's like a good, I worked yeah. out and I'm sore, but I'm glad I worked out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're walking away going, yes, that's the kind of stuff I need, which is why I think even that on those Tuesdays, it's like, that's good hurt. Mm-hmm. I did put some time into this. I thought that joke was funny. <laughs> Apparently mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. So it's, but it's a good hurt. But I think depth of relationship, trust in the room. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, we're on the same team. And, um, but I yeah. think, I think critics, unhealthy critics, there's no relationship. They're flying stuff out. It's unfiltered. It's through a text. It's through an email. You can say whatever you want. Um, I think bad timing. Yes. I think the other thing I would say is do Ta- it, do it in person. Yeah, in person, yeah. You know, we can talk crap about football fl- players all day. If they were sitting at this table, it would be different. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally true. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And I think um, when, I'm, when I'm doing that, I, I, I know from my team, when, when I, there's a critique, I don't do that over text. Yeah. I don't do that over, I want to get with them because I want them. They're, they're just, I know it'll change. No my text, bu- yeah. no email, no just, social media. Yeah, get with face them. Face-to-face yeah. chat. Yeah, I think the um, interesting thing in uh, in basketball, um, my daughter's team has uh, a rule, twenty four hour rule. So I think timing is huge for a lot of people because we see something, we just want to say it. Yeah, just want to get it out. I want to give you peace of my mind. Yeah. But they got a twenty four hour rule, and it has changed so many conversations, probably of parents or kids or whoever are wanting to say something, critique something, but they got to wait, give it a night come back, mm. calmer heads prevail. Usually it's a constructive conversation. Yeah. And they say, too, just no, no over email. Just give me a call. I'm open anytime. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's smart. Yes. So. I mean, how many times I, I want to fire off that text and, you know, whatever, give them peace of my mind because I feel like I fully understand this situation and they are fully wrong. And then if I give it a little time or I just soften it, it you know, it's, I send a text for clarification. It's not even a critique yet. And then come to find out I totally misunderstood yeah. the situation. And sometimes, you know, I'm just, I'm guilty of doing the wrong thing. There are other times where I'm like, thank you, Lord, 
that I did not send that (laughs) original text because I was just flat out wrong. The other thing that you're really good about, Sean, is when you offer uh, critique, you you don't have a list. You know, you're not like, hey, can I give you some feedback? Um, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. If you could just work on those things, dude, you'll be great. You go, hey, you did this great, this great, this great. Here's one thing that maybe you you could you could do differently in that meeting next mm-hmm. time. Um, and there's it 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 can be one thing can be overwhelming. You know, one element that I need to change that you critique can be overwhelming. If you give me two, three, or four, it's real easy to walk away and be like, I'm just a terrible leader. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you've, you've now discouraged me as opposed to setting me up for growth. Mm. Yeah. Um, we're wrapping up, but one of the things I, I just jotted down a note, when it comes to criticism, I'm learning uh, fresh right now, is how you can face criticism as a parent. And I think when your kids are really young, you're not really getting critique from your kids. You know, they're just taking you at your word. Oh. It's bedtime? Okay. Well, I don't want it to be bedtime, but it's bedtime. And as my kids get older, they have opinions, and they have feedback, and they have thoughts that a lot of times they're right. And I, I know I'm facing a situation right now, sharing a little bit um, with both you guys yesterday, that uh, one of my daughters wants um, a, a new social media app. And it's one of those things where it's like, the answer is going to be no. But I already, I'm projecting the conversation and I'm projecting the fallout that's going to take place when I have to tell, you know, uh, one of my daughters no. When they're young, it's easier, I think. They might throw a tantrum, it's over. But it's tough. I'm, I'm seeing, you guys know better than I do. But some of those more difficult parenting decisions, and you're going to face some ramification and critique from your kid it'd be easier to make the wrong decision here and just say, yeah. Mm. So I don't have to face that, you know, criticism, but we got to do the right thing. In those situations, it's, it's a grit decision. You're going to make a tough decision yeah. that it's the right decision, but you're going to face some consequences and some attitude and some cold shoulders and, you know, whatever, but you got to grit it out. Yeah. I think we're parenting for the long haul. So you got to remind yourself of that. So any decision we make today is actually for tomorrow. And so be rem- I think we're reminded of that. But I think also, too, you have to be reminded. We've got to be reminded. I've n- noticed that with my kids, they will punish me as long for a decision as I will allow them to. Interesting. Tell me more. So me- <laughs> <laughs> I need to know this. So meaning if I'm always going, if I explain why, and my wife and I, have, we've chatted about it, and she's actually much more thoughtful and strategic about the long haul stuff, Jen is, than, than I am. But if we have talked through this thing, but then I go back to my kid, I explain to them why we're not doing this, but then I'm apologizing to them for it. Mm. Or I'm like, hey, it's going to be okay. There's a lot of times where you're like, hey, it's going to be okay. This this is the reason why. You explain why. You tell them you love them. You, you love up on them. But then you're off to the next thing and holding strong on this. I mm. noticed that they lose steam on trying to punish you for it or trying to look, you know, trying to mope around the house when we're just kind of going on with our life and doing our thing. That's good. But if we're continuing to play into that, they'll make us feel it as long as mm. we will let them make us feel it. That's good. Good, good word. And I'm sure that translates to not just kids. Yeah. People that you're leading yeah. or, uh, yeah, people you're working with. And she's going to call you up in 20 years and say, that was the right call. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Hopefully when, it's not even that long. Or when she's grown and has kids, she's going to call you. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, guys, I would say this, man. All our kids are awesome. And, but we all have girls. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I got two boys. You guys all have four girls. Mm-hmm. Parenting girls is not easy. And they're awesome, but it's not easy. And you guys are doing, let me just say this, you guys are doing a great job. Thanks, all man. four of your girls, each of you. Well, thanks it's for the super feedback, fun. dude. It's super fun to watch. Mm-hmm. They're great. That's awesome. Yeah, they're good. So, it's all because you're wise, but you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, just, there it is. There it is. <laughs> I just take no. compliment sandwich. There it no, is. Seriously, you guys no. do a great job. Yeah, I'm just gonna it. get home tonight and be like, "Hey, man, you got this one right." <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and tell her no. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Any other last thoughts? I just want Nick. I just want to get on the podcast. Tell you, I think you have what it takes to drink a gallon of water every day for 52 days, and don't listen to the critics. Okay, Love it. Sean. Sean already told me. He said you don't think you can do it. But I, I think you can do it. He's never going to make it. He said, yeah, he's never going to make it. I think you can, Dig deep, Thanks, bro. man. Dig deep. Yeah, First of all, why would you say that, Sean? <laughs> Second of all, thanks, Matt. You're welcome, bud. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. Great stuff, stuff today. Thanks, bud. All right. Thanks, bro. See you.
Well, thanks again for joining us on Rocky Unscripted. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can go to rocky.church slash this week. And no matter when you're listening, it'll always be up to date. We love to connect with you and love to serve you as much as we can. Please share the podcast, rate us, review us. That helps us be seen by more and more people. Love you guys. and We'll catch you next time.